the study for uh, this day is uh, study 159 and what we have uh, used down through the last three years or a little better is the word wisdom. We started off with wisdom. And the only way you're ever going to come to know to realize any wisdom and favor in a great bunch is to get into God's Word and study and study. And I don't mean just to read, but, you know, to get involved in things that you, uh, that really gets into your mind and thoughts with the knowledge and understanding. And that happened to me again last Sunday. And I'll just give you a little inkling of that, and then we'll go on and get into the study. But going through my stuff, I found a message that Brother Larry Dyer did several years ago down in Mobile, Alabama, somewhere in that area. And he made a four-study tape, I believe, of it, or eight-study tape. And it was called Satan's Next Big Trip. Or America's next big trip. Satanism and the occult. Satanism and the occult. And he went over the things about that. Sitting there, listening, and I only have half of that set. But sitting there listening to it, and I was pulling out some stuff to do a study on my wife's family. Uh, a family tree deal to help them out a little bit. And Larry was speaking and he was going back and ta- taking up some things that he was talking about that was written in the 1800s. And he said, I'm going to read you a little piece about a man that had gotten into the occult. And his name was Reverend. Moses Curtis, and I like to have fell out of my chair. Reverend Moses Curtis from Pennsylvania that he was talking about is some of my grandma McCurry's people. I was kin to him. And I thought, oh my goodness. But, you know, they, they got they got this thing started back in the 1800s again, and it went pretty strong for a while, and then it, it cooled back down. But uh, Larry uh, redone that thing, and he had a lot of stuff there. and He had uh, stuff that he was presenting to him away from Scripture, but it had to do with things that were going on that in in the assemblies then around there that wasn't, uh, I guess, it, for the want of another word, I would say it wasn't kosher. Yeah. And, uh, it wasn't very godly. <laughs> it, it just wasn't godly at all. And, and, and it was something that God loved. But I don't want to take up very much of the time with this tonight, but the fact is that he, he quoted... Something that somebody had wrote about one of my grandmothers, uh, my 
must have been some of her people had married into this family. And it was the Curtis family in Pennsylvania. And he was a, he was a minister. I don't know what, or supposedly a minister, but I've got his picture in, in, in one of my books at home that deals with the family. And I thought, good gracious alive. Well, I got involved in my wife's family and come to find out that some of my friends around, uh, is kin to, was kin to her family and I had no idea, never knew about it. But here I, you know, here I am. Uh, it is kind of blows my mind that, uh, that God's working with me that way to, I guess to help to show me what I need to understand according to what's going on maybe in today's time. I don't know. So we got in, we was in First Timothy. We're going to go back there. First Timothy, uh, six. We're getting toward the end of, of First Timothy. And we left off last week with, we had read verse 13 of First Timothy six. But I want to go back and read it again uh, because I had read it like I've been doing and I read my notes. But we ran out of time and I didn't have time to look at Jack's notes. And they are really good. So I wanted to uh, go back and read Jack's notes there. On verse 13, but I'm going to read 13 again, and we'll just pick up with the study tonight there, and try to do uh, the rest of 13, 14, and 15. And it says, in 13, in the King James, I give thee charge in the sight of God, (coughs) excuse me, who quicken all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. And uh, so I read my notes, and I can go back and just grab of them right quick. And it says, I, Paul, give thee, or give you, Timothy, a charge of how to keep your testimony going. And if you want to look at that, you can go back sometimes to 1 Timothy 1, 3. And, and to see what Paul had told Timothy about that. But he said, I give thee charge in the sight of God before him, who have been chosen and, and not in the sight of Paul. But he's always in sight of God. He says, who maketh alive, or who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. And it's always been Paul's understanding that part of your testimony is a good confession. You you don't want your confession to be spotted. You don't want it to be... Uh, sold in any way uh, in order to uh, get other people to come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and 
and his finished work and to understand what our hope is uh, because of that. And so I didn't get to read the uh, I didn't get to read the uh, uh, things that Jack wanted me to, to read there from the scripture, but I want to do it with 13 here. So we'll be, have it fresh in our mind again. So let's go back and we'll start in the book of Mark. And, uh, in Mark 15, I believe it is. Okay, in Mark 15, we're going to look at 1 through 5 in Mark 15. And it says, And straightway in the morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and whole council and bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him to Pilate. Now, this was, this was the time of the crucifixion. And Pilate asked him, said, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answering, and Christ answering, said unto him, Thou sayest it. He said, You say I am. And the chief priest accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. And Pilate asked him again, saying, Answereth thou nothing? Behold, how many things that they witness against thee. But Jesus yet, yet answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. There he stood being accused. And when he was asked the question, Are you the king of Jews? He said, Well, you say I am. But then he didn't say anything else. He was, he was, he had already said what he needed to say. Like a lamb for the slaughter. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's go to Luke 23 from there. Let's look at Luke 23 was the next one that we didn't get to. And we're going to read 1 through 9. So some of these things you can't get with just a verse or two. You got to, if you're going to paint the picture, you got to draw the, you know, you got to fill it in. And here we're filling it in. 1 through 9 of Luke 23. And the whole multitude of them that rose, and they led him to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation, and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ the King. And Pilate asked him, saying, Art thou the King of the Jews? And he answered him and said, Thou sayest it. So again, you got Scripture backing up Scripture here. Then said Pilate to the chief priest and to the people, I find no fault in this man. And they were the more fierce, saying, He stirreth up the people, teaching throughout all Jewry, beginning from Galilee to this place, when Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged under his jurisdiction, 
He sent him to Herod himself, who himself also was at Jerusalem at that time. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, for he was desirous to see him of a long time, because he had heard many things of him, and he hoped to have seen some miracles done by him. Then he questioned with him in many words, but he answered him nothing. He's like Ronnie just said. He was like a lamb led to slaughter. He, he was, he didn't have, he didn't have anything that he wanted to rebut. Okay. Uh, let's see, it says, see above Acts 18. Oh, I, there was two places that we looked at another verse of Scripture last time. Okay, so we're gonna, we're gonna bypass them too, because two weeks ago we went through that. I want to turn with you now. Turn with me now to Revelations. Let's get, let's look at Revelations 1. There's gonna be about three places in Revelations we need to go to. And Ronnie's been in Revelations for the last few weeks and in his study and I have really, really seen things in Revelations that I had not seen before. And I thought we had looked, but we haven't looked like we should look. Revelations 1, 4 through 5 is the first we're going to look. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and and which is to come. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Because we have been cleansed through the blood that he shed on the cross. And that he carried into the Holy of Holies to the Father to grant us to be clean and without spot before him there. Okay. Let's look at chapter 2. There we're going to look at verses 12 and 13. So we only have to go over one page if you got a companion Bible. 12 and 13 says this, And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things saith he, which hath the sharp sword with two edges. I know thy works. And where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is, and thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith, even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you where Satan dwelleth. Okay. 
from 2. Let's look at 3. Another, another page or two over. And, uh, Revelations 3, 12 through 14. If you have a companion Bible, this is on 1888. He that overcometh, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write. These things saith the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Okay, so that was... uh, that was what we didn't get to read when we read 13 a couple of weeks ago when uh, our last study was. Okay, so let's go back to let's go back to First Timothy uh, six again and pick up with verse 14. And 14 says this, talking about Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. 14, that thou keepest this commandment without spot, unrebukable unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, in First Timothy six, Paul is telling Timothy, "Man, you got to keep this thing going. You got to keep it without spot and unrebukable until the appearing, however long that is." Mm-hmm. We know now that it's been two thousand years. Therefore, close to it anyway. But the fact is that we still need to do these things. It's still important. Is important today as it was that day to know the truth and to know what had happened, why it happened, how it happened, and to understand what the circumstance is. Fourteen. Okay, I have read that, and I'm going to read my notes that uh, with that. So my note says that thou, Timothy. Keep this commandment, and that's the charge made in verse 13, without spot. As to all the charges Paul has made to Timothy concerning the body of Christ, as well as the other epistles given here. And the other epistles given here is what Jack wanted you to read. Uh, Unspotted. Or unblemished, uh, talking about without spot, unspotted or unblemished, and then unrebukable. 
That means so as to be blameless, so you can stand blameless. And you know, if you think about Colossians and you go back to Colossians and you talk about putting on the whole armor of God that you'll be able to stand. And to stand requires the unblameable aspect of your life and your witness to the word that has been given by Paul to these men that were with him from way back into the uh, middle of of Acts on down to these last seven epistles that we're looking at now. Unspotted, unblemished, unrebukable, without blameless unto the appearing or the epiphania. And that is, epiphania, that is uh, the appearing there, the Greek epiphania, a shining forth upon to have the light bear you out. Because if you can stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and know that He has chosen you before the foundation of the world and that He has given His blood to make you sinless in the sight of God in that understanding, then therefore... You can be in the light and shine, and the light can shine on you, and it doesn't show any of this darkness because He has taken care of that for me and you. Okay. There are several things that we want to look at here. And Brother Jack kind of loaded me down with it, but I'm going to read... 14 on what he says, the Koine Greek says. <coughs> and then he's got notes here, too, like we always read. It says, keep you the commandment spotless, unreproachable, until the appearing of the Lord of us, Jesus Christ. Keep the commandments spotless, irreproachable, unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jack wrote this. Timothy is told to keep the commandment. The commandment encompasses all of Paul's exhortation to Timothy throughout this epistle and in accordance with the entire mystery body of Paul's teachings and writings. There will be found no conflicts in Paul's latter seven or mystery epistles. Timothy well understands the lively and piercing truths of Paul's teaching. Yet there is found no confusion in Timothy's mind as to what Paul refers as his commandment. Yes, 
His commandment goes beyond Paul. And it goes through the teaching of Christ. The appearing is not the perusia or coming to be present spoken of in 1 Thessalonians 4. And Paul's early seven epistles. The appearing is highlighted in Colossians 3, 4. And they are ample, clear, other references, some of which will be mentioned in the following. And here we have a list of them. And so I put them in order as you see them placed in your Bible. So if you look down through them, you'll see they, they're kind of jumbled up, but they all make the picture much plainer. So let's start and go from the beginning of these until the end of these that Jack wants us to see. Because what he's going to say in verse 15, and what he's going to allude to in 15, is very, very important. And we hadn't, we hadn't looked upon it very much. Okay. I put them, I put them kindly in order. And, uh, let's start out in the book of John. Let's go back to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. And, uh, a long time ago we had a cat. And the cat marked John 11, so uh, where I was that particular night, he got up on the table and tore that page. So I'd, ha- I'd have trouble if I went back to John 11. <laughs> I told you cats are evil. Yeah. And that, uh, yeah, that, that gives Ronnie fuel for, yeah. for his cat deal. Okay, we're going to look at... Uh, John fourteen fifteen through 21. It's on page 1556. you got a companion Bible. 15 to 21. And so here we go. It says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Okay, let's go on down to 21. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you yet a little while in the word, the world, Seeth me no more, but ye see me because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and he in me, and I in you. Verse 21. He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he He it is that loveth me, 
And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself unto him. Okay, that's that one. Now, while we're here, let's look at chapter 15 and go over a page or two. Go to 15 and look at from 10 through 14. We've been there before because my Bible says so, because I keep putting arrows in my Bible as to where I've been. So 10 through 14 was one that we have read sometime in the last three years. But it said, If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life, lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. If you go back and you look at Zechariah chapter 13, look at verse 6 or 7, and they're talking about nail prints in hands. He said, one will come and he will have nail prints in his hands. And when you ask him how he got them, he will tell you, and this is when there was going to be a period of 400-something years that they wouldn't have no prophets. And he says, when he does come, when this one comes, he will tell you, I was with my friends. The Scripture not back itself up. It always, it always does. Okay. So that was uh, John's word. Okay, we're going to go to we're going to go to Colossians three four because you know it was mentioned before. So we're going to go to Colossians three, and I think this one verse pretty much blow you away anytime you read it. You don't have to have any more fillers to go with it. Because it's full. Colossians 3, 4 is full. If I doesn't read you another verse of Scripture tonight, this is what it says. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear. Hippania. Then shall you also appear with Him in glory. Whatever you want to put beside that or with that or whatever, that is your hope. That is my hope. When He appears, I'm going to appear with Him in glory. And they can be a lot more said But I don't know if it's any plainer or any truer than that 
that I'm going to read you next. But nevertheless, God has given us these words that back up themselves. First Timothy one. First, I mean, say, I'm sorry. Second Timothy one. Second Timothy one ten through fourteen. And it says this, But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death, and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher, Paul says to Timothy, and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know <coughs> whom I have believed, and have persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words, that which thou hast heard of me in faith, and love which is in Christ Jesus, that good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. Okay, and it goes on. We're going to look at Titus 2. We'll go from there. Uh, and as I told you in the beginning, before we get through all these, we'll just about have gone through Second Timothy anyway, one time at least. Okay, Titus two, we're going to look at eleven through thirteen. Two eleven through thirteen. We've been there before in this study. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Full, that's not a full stop. Because it says, Who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us, we know what redemption is, to be redeemed, to be bought again, or bought back from where we was, from, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Okay, it goes on. We're going to look at Titus 3, verse 4 through 7. And you don't have to turn the page if you got a companion Bible. 3, 4 through 7. It says, But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, 
He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Christ Jesus our Savior, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. to the hope of eternal life. Okay. I want to go on to James, to the book of James. I think that's after Hebrews, isn't it? Yeah. To the book of James, we want to look at James 1, 26, 27. And Jack didn't spare any Scripture much when he laid this out because he he didn't he didn't want to miss any of it. It says, "If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this." to visit the fatherless and the widows in their afflictions and to keep himself unspotted from the world. So James is telling he's telling us here what Paul told Timothy in verse fourteen of the first chapter of first Timothy six. To keep himself unspotted and from, from the world and from the things of the world. Okay. So we want to go from James to First Peter. First Peter one. First Peter one eighteen through twenty. <clears throat> it says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, such as silver and gold, from your vain conversations received by traditions from your father, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamp without blemish, without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. And you could make that you, me, for me. It should be. You or me. Okay. Let's go to Second Peter two. And this is the reason I like <coughs> to go through a study with Jack Everly because you better have a little time to do it. Second Peter two twenty. 
to 22. It starts on 1867, if you have a companion Bible. <coughs> it says this, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, how do you escape the pollutions of this world? No, it's just through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Yeah, because you see, that's what Christ is coming back to do. When He comes back to the Mount of Olives, He is going to write all the things that Satan did to this world that we have to deal with. And part of them is pollution. And believe you me, we have pollutions in this world. Pollutions is, comes in many forms, but when it gets in to this breath that you and I breathe, and I've been having a little problems with that lately. But, you know, there's two things that can bother greatly. Pollution is your breath and your blood. Breath and blood. We need breath and blood to be here. Otherwise, we won't be here. For if after you have escaped the pollutions of the world... Through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. That's how pollution works. The more you get, the worse it gets. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandments delivered unto them. But it is happened unto them according to the true proverb which had been written beforehand. The true proverb. And it says, The dog is turned to his own vomit again. And the sow that was washed, you were wallowing in the mire. He says, that's the way it's like. It's just like, well, you can get cleaned up, but you have to work at it to stay that way. To get rid of this pollution that the world has given to us, because we're in this battle and have been. But we can get rid of it. Boy, I didn't know there was this many. First John 2, 3, and 4. First John 2, 3, and 4. I turn one page, too many. First John 2, 3 and 4 says this, And hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But who's, 
keepeth his word. In him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. Okay, and then we want to go to 3.22. Just about done with this verse. 3.22.24. Whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do these things that are pleasing to his sight. And this is His commandment. <coughs> Excuse me. That we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave us commandments. And He that keepeth His commandments dwell in Him, and He in Him. And hereby we know that we abideth in us. He abideth in us by the Spirit which He hath given us. Okay. That was three, and then we're going to go uh, what is it, four or five? Let's go to the first John five. And look at 7 and 8 and 9. I think that's what I was supposed to put down anyway. 7, 8, and 9. For there are three that bear record in heaven of the Father, the Word, the Holy Ghost, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one, and there are three that bear witness in the earth, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater, for this is the witness of God which he hath testified of in his Son. And he that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself, he that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not in the record that God gave of his Son. So that's exactly what Jack wanted us to see in that verse of Scripture. All of these other inputs that goes with it. How much time we got left? Uh, 9.23. Okay, I got... Let's read this right quick. And I've got one thing. If I don't read any of the others, uh, there's not but two or three of them, but I want to go back and look at one thing that I, that I saw that I hadn't saw in a long, long time. Okay, let's go back to first. Uh, Let's go back to 1 Timothy 6, read 15. It says, Which in his times he hath showed, who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings 
and Lord of Lords, which here is referring to his appearing. And in his own time, which is plural, means seasons, or in Christ's own seasons, he shall show plainly and completely who is the blessed and only potentate, the ruler, mighty of dynasty, in power or might upon the earth. And it's certainly not Satan. He wants to be, and he tries to be, and he has tried to be down through the ages, but he wasn't. But to be king of kings and lord of lords, which is the fulfillment or the final fulfillment that we read about way back. And it's been here. So we realize and understand that what we've been reading about is the things that we necessarily deal with in the war between Christ and Satan, the enmity that was put between the two. But glory be to God, there's Scripture that was written earlier that says it all, and I want to read you that. And when I read this, I sat there and had some great thoughts within myself, but... My thoughts is not what's important this day and time. It's what God has written or caused to be written by other men. I want to look at Psalms 2. We'll just read through it. And let your mind linger on what's being said there toward the final end of this. But to realize this, we got to realize where we've been, what we've been through, and the war we fight, and the pollution that we deal with day to day. And here's here's some questions that that David had. Why do the heathen rage? And the people imagine a vain thing. Psalms 2, verse 2. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together. Well, who do they take counsel together against? It's against the Lord. And against His anointed, saying, let us break the bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. We don't want to have anything to do with God. Wasn't that what they said when they hung Him on the cross? Yeah. Crucify Him. Do away with Him. Give us Barabbas. Break the bands and cast away the cords. He that sitteth in the heaven shall laugh. Oh, my. My goodness gracious. God can laugh, and He does sometimes. 
So he looks at us and says, hey, you guys down there, you make me laugh. The Lord shall have them in the region. Verse 5 of Psalms. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath, oh boy, and vex them in his sore displeasure. He says, Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion, and I will declare the decree. Now God is saying he's going to declare a decree. He's going to make a law. The Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. You heard that before? Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry. And you perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Amen. So, God already had the answer. All we needed to do is to put it back in place. And it took almost the entire word of Scripture to get us to that point. But we realize and understand. You know, I'm going to say this one thing, and this is the thought that come into my mind when I read Kiss the Sun. We can't really personally kiss the Son, but we can deal with Him who is in our heart by the Holy Spirit. And you know, when God dealt with Abraham, He says, On the eighth day, when you have children, on the eighth day, if you have a male child, you take and take his foreskin off. And that's called circumcision. And that's covered up. But when Christ comes, according to the 19th chapter, this book of Revelations. He says, And upon his vesture and upon his thigh is written 
King of kings and Lord of lords. I don't know when it's going to get written there. But my thinking is this. That if whatever the Holy Spirit takes back to the Father that is mine or was mine here on this earth, if it could be brought into liquid, I would hope that He would use my liquid to write that on the thigh of Christ that He might, when He raises His garment, that He might show it to the world as being King of kings and Lord of lords. I would like to have that honor. I know I can't ask it. But in my heart and soul, that's the way I feel. And so that brought me to tears, as it should. But again, I'm here as the Lord wants me to stay here. And I will try to honor Him with words that have been written by men and put forth in the book. And if I could be of any help in any way, certainly. I'd be glad to do it any way I could. God bless all of you. That's my thought for this week, this day. And may the Lord help me go on and work things out in my life that I might be of help to somebody else along the way. God bless and watch over us all is my prayer this day. And thank you, Ronnie. Turn it back over to you.